The Outline, World Dispatch. Thursday, June 15, 2017. I'm Sam Thonis. Today on The Dispatch, Adrian Jeffries on Uber's latest departures. There are some people who feel like maybe they need like a real CEO. Jeffy Haza on Dolce & Gabbana. Hashtag boycott Dolce & Gabbana. And Gabby Del Valle on the Flint water crisis. The uh, Michigan Attorney General charged the state's de- director of health and human services with involuntary manslaughter. Here's the dispatch. The future. Uber has had a long history of being reckless, erratic, and breaking the rules. Things came to a head on February 19th of this year when a former Uber engineer wrote about her experience being sexually harassed throughout her year at the company. The next day, Uber ordered an independent investigation that ultimately resulted in more than 20 firings and a slew of institutional changes. In light of the report, CEO and founder Travis Kalanick announced this week that he'd be taking a leave of absence. But as tumultuous as Uber's rise may seem, Adrian Jeffries wrote this week that Travis was basically what Silicon Valley wants in a startup founder. Hi, Adrian. Hey, Sam. So what boxes did Travis check for these investors? So investors are looking for people who are very headstrong, who are hyper-competitive, who are really focused on keeping their eyes on the prize, kind of the means justify the ends, like they want someone who is so stubborn and willful that they can overcome all the challenges that come with starting a business from scratch. Do you think that the investors are right? It does seem like having willfulness is helpful in overcoming some of the challenges with a startup, which is hard. It's also something that might have been more true in the past when startups were all tied to the internet. We're now seeing this wave of startups that are operating in more traditional sectors like transportation for Uber or healthcare. And in these industries, some people think that maybe, you know, that kind of Steve Jobsian, like talented asshole personality is not really what we need anymore, that now we need more diverse founders who maybe are a little older, a little more experienced, who know more about their industries. Like another thing that investors thought was good was naivete, this idea that you could come into an industry and because you don't know anything about it, you don't know what the limitations are. And that may be true and might have been true for Travis Kalanick, but there are some people who who feel like that era is over. You mentioned Steve Jobs. Obviously, he is kind of the um, epitome of the. Yeah, he's the big example. Founder. The bully, the guy who parked in two handicapped parking spaces at once, the guy who held grudges for his whole life. Yeah. But with Steve Jobs, uh, he kind of matured with the company. Is it possible that these companies really do need someone who is bold and brash at the beginning, and then they need someone who is more mature later on? That's another school of thought is that maybe Travis was the right thing for Uber up to this point. Uber started, I think, in 2009, so it's been around for a while, and it's gotten pretty far under Travis's leadership. But um, there is, you know, one of the board members was pushing for Travis to take a leave of absence. 
another investor, a very prominent investor, Mitch and Frida Kapoor, wrote an open letter saying, we think the company really needs to change. Um, most investors are kind of keeping quiet or supporting Travis. Um, but there are some people who feel like maybe they need like a real CEO. So Travis is taking a leave of absence. Yeah. There's a funny thing about that. So they did this independent report into workplace culture and harassment and claims of gender discrimination and sexism. And the report comes out. There are a bunch of recommendations. A bunch of people get fired. And Travis says he's taking a leave of absence. He says, uh, <laughs> as we move to create Uber 2.0, I need to work on creating Travis 2.0. So do you think that what happened to Travis is going to have any ripple effects on the attitude of Silicon Valley? I think it will in small waves. I think there was already an increasing focus on workplace culture for people of color and women especially, um, a realization that even though workplace culture in Silicon Valley is a certain way for white straight men who dominate, it's not necessarily that way for everybody. So I think there's some awareness of this already. I think it's very slow and very creeping. And venture capitalism is a hits-driven business. They're looking for one company out of 20, one company out of 100 to do really well and pay for all the others. And they're looking for patterns. And so far, a lot of the billion-dollar companies that have been funded this way have come from people who look like Elon Musk, people who look like Mark Zuckerberg, people who are usually white men and usually have this attitude of the rules don't apply to me, I'm going to break them, I believe in myself, and I'm not here to make friends. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you. Culture. Dolce & Gabbana just made a horrible decision about Melania Trump. Bad looks. Domenico Dolce and Stefano Gabbana, the duo behind the Italian fashion label Dolce & Gabbana, appear desperate to tank their own brand. They've been in trouble for a while. The pair gave an interview in an Italian magazine suggesting that LGBTQ people shouldn't have families. Back in 2012, they sent white models down the runway in Milan, wearing earrings that depicted Mamie caricatures on them. Now, Dolce & Gabbana's new cause is outfitting Melania Trump and poking fun at protesters in the process. They unveiled cheeky, tone-deaf t-shirts with the phrase hashtag boycott Dolce & Gabbana printed on them. That's a real hashtag that actually emerged in the wake of their comments on LGBTQ families. Dolce & Gabbana also released a weird Pepsi ad-style video of protesters smiling and cheering while adorned in those $245 t-shirts. Being on the wrong side of every issue isn't provocative. It's just a bad look. Power. Flint, Michigan began sourcing its water from the polluted Flint River in April 2014, leading to dangerous levels of lead in the water supply and causing an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. Michigan's top public health official was charged with manslaughter yesterday for allegedly failing to alert the public about the outbreak in 2015. But he'll be allowed to keep his job. Gabby Del Valle has been reporting on this. Hi, Gabby. 
Hi, Sam. What's the extent of the charges? Yesterday, the uh, Michigan Attorney General charged the state's director of health and human services with involuntary manslaughter and misconduct in office because he allegedly told his staff to stop an analysis of what was leading to a massive Legionnaire's disease outbreak in Flint in 2015. He's the highest ranking official to be charged so far, but um, there have been 51 criminal charges levied against 15 current or former officials. Um, Michigan governor, or the governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, said yesterday that Lyon and Eden Wells, another person who was charged yesterday with obstruction of justice and lying to a police officer, will keep their jobs while the investigation is ongoing because um, they're innocent until proven guilty. And he said that they are and remain completely committed to Flint's recovery. So Nick Lyon was charged with involuntary manslaughter, but he's keeping his job? Yeah, um, he hasn't been found guilty yet, but if he is guilty on that charge and obstruction of justice, he could be in prison for 20 years. Um, and, and so the charges are that he knew about this and didn't do anything, or is it he, worse than that? He knew about this, and in addition to not doing anything, he allegedly told his staff to stop an analysis that would have determined what was causing the outbreak. Um, do you have a sense of what did cause the outbreak? Well, when they switched the water supply to the Flint River, it led to lead contamination, but also caused um, like higher levels of bacteria in people's drinking and showering water or in people's tap water. Um, and Legionnaire's disease specifically you get by inhaling contaminated water droplets. So even though after people knew about the high lead levels, the city provided people with water filters and bottled water, if you were still showering with the contaminated water, you could inhale the bacteria and get sick. So if the director of Health and Human Services is convicted, um, you know, does that help solve the problem um, or is it kind of, does that help solve the problem? Are there other steps being taken to solve this problem? Um, I think depending on when the conviction happens, another director would be appointed by Rick Snyder, the governor of Michigan. So it could help solve the problem depending on who is appointed, but it just depends on who he chooses. Um, I think it's more of like equivalent to had if bankers had been jailed after the recession kind of thing, like people would feel vindicated. So but it's more about a sense of justice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was 12 people who died in Flint of legionnaires and people just want some kind of consequence while the water situation is being handled. It's encouraging to see that there is a small step towards a feeling of justice here. Um, I guess we'll see how the actual water crisis continues to develop. Yeah, um, it, it seems like every time something is solved, a new problem pops up. So it's very concerning, but I guess we'll see how it develops and whether anyone is held accountable for this. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. That concludes The Dispatch. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what we're doing here and you want to help us out, uh, you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It actually goes a long way. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these things. I'm Sam Thonis. Have a great weekend. More Stories Monday.